the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Podcast. I am your host, Nick DeGilio. Welcome to episode number 143. If you're listening in order, it's a Tuesday. New episodes, Tuesdays and Fridays. That's when they pop. And that's when this one has popped on a Tuesday. Hope you had a great weekend. Uh, Esmeralda Leon, who is my partner in crime on this podcast regularly, uh, was in Vegas for a while. She's back, and we are going to talk to her for the first time since she got back from Vegas. Um, for real, we kind of... Uh, pre-recorded something before she went to Vegas, played it after she came back from Vegas on the timeline, if you're following Doc Brown and Marty in the DeLorean. It's amazing. You know, when you have uh, modern technology and you're able to record things and pretend that it's one day and it's really not, you can mess around with the time continuum. She's back. We'll hear what happened in Vegas with Esmeralda and more. Uh, my dad's going to tell a joke, as he always does on Tuesdays. Um, we are going to talk about how TV and movie characters behave completely differently than regular, everyday humans. That's another thing Esmeralda and I are going to talk about. We have a magic megaphone request. Again, if you want to request me to say anything into the megaphone or play anything into the megaphone, which is magic, it's for you. We'll talk about you and your message and the story behind it. Get on the podcast, get your Magic Megaphone messages in there, leave a voicemail for us at 773-417-6948. You can also leave that as an email, uh, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Drop us an email or uh, leave us a voicemail 24-7. The voicemail system is open 24-7 anytime at all during the day or night. You feel like calling us and leaving a message with a question or a comment or a contribution or a Magic Megaphone request, 773-417-6948. Any kind of email that you want, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. That phone number and that email address also reach my other podcast, which is all about Saturday Night Live. And it's called That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast. Having a great time doing that podcast. It's all about Saturday Night Live, my love of it, uh, the fact that I watched every single episode without missing one since the first episode in 1975. Uh, I have guests. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I do. I always talk about great things about SNL. Uh, if you're an SNL fan and you haven't subscribed, what the hell is wrong with you? Number one, if you're not an SNL fan and you haven't subscribed again, what the hell is wrong with you? You should subscribe to the podcast. It's part of the radio misfits podcast network. You can go to radiomisfits.com, subscribe today. And that is that show hasn't been funny in years. Uh, actually the episode that drops tomorrow is all about more cowbell. Yes. The legendary unbelievable sketch from the year 2000 with Christopher Walken. More Cowbell. From the beginning, how it was written, what happened on stage, the aftermath, everything 
<laughs> about more cowbell is explored on my podcast. That show hasn't been funny in years, and that's now podcast. Hey, by the way, if you want to listen to any podcasts that are a part of this unbelievably awesome network, Radio Misfits, we now have a streaming service that is happening 24-7, live streaming like a radio station. It's like an internet radio station, and it's absolutely free, and it's radiomisfits.live. It's jammed with unbelievably cool programming. Uh, Really great unsigned bands are played, like music. There's great unheard music. You can check it out at Unheard Music as well. Um, And also episodes of all of the podcasts that are available at Radio Misfits and so many great podcasts. And both of my podcasts are broadcast daily on the streaming service. So the streaming service is 24-7. It's always going radiomisfits.live. Tune in now for live programming, and you can hear my podcasts daily. My SNL podcast every day at 9 a.m. on radiomisfits.live, and my Nick D podcast, this one, every day at 3 p.m. Central Time. So check it out. You can download us. You can check us out on every single platform. Please take the time to rate and review all of our podcasts. We appreciate that. We want to hear back from you. Uh, and I want to hear back from you as well. You know, leave a voicemail or leave, leave an email. Your feedback's important. We listen to every, by the way, we listen to every uh, voicemail that comes in and read every email that comes in and share many of them on the podcast. So please, please feel free to share them. But uh, the streaming service is fantastic. You got to check it out. Again, uh, that show hasn't been funny in years. My SNL podcast daily at 9 a.m. The Nick D podcast daily at 3 p.m. And then the rest of the, the 24 hours, 24-7, great programming with podcasts and music all over the place, radiomisfits.live. Hey, be a sponsor. You should do that right now. Sponsor this podcast right now. You got a product you want to advertise? We want some advertising from you and you want from us because we have a lot of listeners. Sales at radiomisfits.com. Get on this train right now. Advertise. Be a sponsor now. Sales at radiomisfits.com. My thanks to Jason Skaggs, who does all the crazy music and all the crazy stuff, and Ed at Radio Misfits. Coming up uh, immediately is Dan Feinberg. You know Dan Feinberg. He's one of my favorite guests. He's a regular guest. We talk to him every other week because there's a ton of TV out there to talk about. Now we'll also talk about the writer's strike and some of the other great things that are happening, and we're... Uh, we got a couple of big shows on HBO that are coming to series finales. And we got a lot more of that to talk about. And again, if you have any TV questions that you want uh, Dan to answer, feel free to leave those voicemails or leave those emails as well. You know who else is here? Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. Carrie Russell rules. I love her so much. Hi, Hi. I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do. She'll always be Felicity. Always. I'm sure she's thrilled to that there are people that still think that she should always be Felicity. (laughs) I'm an idiot. So anyway, that's what's coming up on this episode of the podcast. My dad's joke, Esmeralda Leon, uh, Dan Feinberg, Carrie Russell. I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. And much, much more. uh, And download us and subscribe to us and check us all out at radiomisfits.com. Rate and review us. Get that conversation going. And check out radiomisfits.live 24-7 streaming anytime you want. Listen because it's great stuff, and we're very excited about it. And uh, we should be congratulated at Radio Misfits for now having a 24-7 streaming service that you can listen to anytime you want. And you should be congratulated for listening to this podcast. You got good taste. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D Podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh, yeah. Don't be a jag 
Dan Feinberg. Dan Feinberg. And now, all the way from somewhere else, Dan Feinberg. That's right. Dan Feinberg joins us uh, every other week here on the podcast. And uh, he writes a column for The Hollywood Reporter. He's the TV critic for The Hollywood Reporter. And uh, writes a column and has a website called The Fine Print. F-I-E-N. Fine. F-I-E-N. The Fine Print. You can read everything you need to know about television and uh, episodes and all kinds of great stuff that Dan writes. Dan, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Dan. How are you doing, Nick? I'm all right. Uh, you know, I'm all right. I was just telling you uh, before we started recording that I have to have my uh, my... My equipment, my Xfinity equipment replaced. <laughs> it's, it's better just to leave out the Xfinity part and just right. to vaguely I, refer I, I, to I, I, your I, I, equipment I, and how it has to be. Yeah, just need I, to get my equipment changed out. When you, get my... to be a certain, when you get to be a certain age, it yeah. just doesn't work as well as it used right. to. And uh, sometimes uh, you just have my, to get I'm it swapped out. I am in my 50s. So therefore, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a thing. Something that might happen, but yeah, they don't even send anybody out anymore. They just tell you, "Yeah, we're going to mail the stuff to you. Hook it up." That's what they. That's what they. I'm a little surprised by that, honestly, because I the last time I had to do that, I did get the box and they made me do it myself. But um, that was because it was during the pandemic, so they Ah. couldn't set up appointments at the time. But well, maybe they just did that during the pandemic and went, "Yeah, this is a lot easier for us." And I'm sure they did, but I'm sure that also probably means that they were able to cut back on employees and other right. various things that are oh. more nefarious. So. Now, now, my parents got the same. We have the same, uh, you know, we live about a mile apart uh, from each other. And my parents, my dad is like in his 80s. My mom's late 70s. So they're older. They don't know how to hook crap up. You know what I mean? Uh, well, I'm in my 50s and I don't know how to hook crap yes, up. Yes, I, so. I was going to say, I don't know that I did a particularly good job of hooking anything up, but whatever. So my parents, uh, you know, got the notice as well. But the thing is, like, my parents, what's going to happen is the box will, you will not be able to use pay-per-view on demand uh, or, you know, like uh, the, you know, you, the pay-per-view or the on-demand movies or video on-demand stuff. My parents don't use that option anyway, so they're like, oh, "We're not going to change anything." And I was like, "Yeah, that makes sense," because they don't. They don't. They don't have a DVR. They don't use. You know, so they're like, "I, I don't want to hook anything up." <laughs> so, so my parents aren't going to do it. I'm trying to think. My parents, I don't think. I don't think they use a DVR, but they definitely use various on-demand and other yeah. things like that. That I'm sure they would. I wanna... had to... Make sure they had access. To. I I had to explain to my to my folks because I see I I, uh, I I go over to my parents' house on on Saturdays and spend time with them and stuff and have some food and hang out and watch TV, uh, mostly wrestling when there's a pay per view. But because um, <laughs> my parents love wrestling, and I had to explain to my dad because my dad basically you know I know this is going to sound cliche. My dad's 81; he'll be 82 in September, and uh, basically it's like uh, he doesn't watch anything. He doesn't care about anything that's on television post 1978, maybe. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, you know, like, uh, you know, like he'll watch Rawhide and stuff like, you know what I mean? Like, that's, he's old. And so he doesn't care. But my mom and I bond over Big Brother. Um, and she also watches all of the Chicago shows, all of them. Okay. And I'm like, well, mom, the problem here is that you don't have a DVR. Big Brother's on three nights a week, and one of those nights is the same night as all those stupid Chicago shows that you watch, so you may want to update the equipment. My mom's like, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Until she misses Big Brother and I tell her what happened, then she's going to say, let's order the new equipment. I guarantee you that's what's going to happen. 
The only question is if you've been if you had to make sure and adjust to make sure that your parents didn't have motion smoothing on anymore. That's the only <laughs> that is the only service that people are supposed to serve for their parents is making sure that the motion smoothing has been turned off. So. Uh, you know, I'll, when we get to that hurdle, I'll do that. All right. Very good. Uh, but as I was telling you, there is a possibility that I will lose everything on my DVR because of this. Uh, and they say that they, like that's in the fine print. It's like, oh, here's a, oh, no pun intended. Look at that. Look how I <laughs> look what I just did. Um, but but they were like, you may lose in, in very small print and in parentheses. You may lose uh, your DVR. What's on your DVR? There's a like, OK, great. That's uh, and the now, you know, the way that the creators of various HBO Max and Disney Plus shows feel about their shows yeah, being yeah. removed from the services and no yeah. longer being available. It's it's basically the exact same thing, uh, you know, between between you potentially losing things you've saved on your DVR and the creator of Willow wondering why they made Willow if Disney Plus is going to remove it from all streaming availability within six crazy? months of its premiere. That's crazy. That really is, is crazy. And also, it is the strange time in which to live. And also, now I've got to reprogram everything. That I, you know what I mean? Like, I'll have to, I mean, that, not that that's a big pain in the ass, but like, it'll be a new remote. I won't know what to do. Do I talk into it? <laughs> do I speak into it? What do I, I don't, I got, all I want to do is make sure Saturday Night Live, uh, both new and reruns, get recorded. That's all I care about. Well, that's so. going to be much more. That's going to be much more simple because at least that is sort of one thing. That, well, also to say nothing of the fact that who knows when there's next going to be a new SNL, so that's a different yeah, thing. Yeah. Also, yeah. Uh, but but it isn't like one of those shows where they change the names very slightly between seasons, and if you only have like a series. Uh, recording uh, yeah. set up, you yeah. don't get whatever the new season is. Like I, I feel like Top Chef used to do that, but they've now fixed it. But I feel like there was yeah. a long time where it was you set Top Chef to record, but then when the new season was Top Chef Boston, it wouldn't remember oh. that they'd asked you'd asked it to record. So yeah, I haven't had that knows. issue. Top Chef always always records for me. I mean, I don't have I, to. I've, pa- I've never past had to... seasons that's been the case. Yeah. This season it hasn't been, but also uh, I've also started just watching it on Peacock. Uh, uh, I mean, I you know yeah. it's the, the the amount of time I save on on advertisements, and also when I want to, being able to just watch Last Chance Kitchen, yeah, uh, which again can do on Peacock, couldn't do before. So so just taking advantage, taking yeah. advantage. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, also, by the way, today, and you mentioned the streaming service. Today's a big day in the world, uh, Dan. Here's my problem. I need to be figuring out if you're talking about today, today, or tomorrow, today. today. Which today today, are you talking about? I'm talking about tomorrow, today, the the day that people will be listening to this. Oh, okay. Okay, so Tuesday is a big day. It's a huge day. Are are you referring to the (laughs) triumphant transition from HBO Max to Max? That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yay! Excellent. A a (laughs) national holiday. Happy happy Maximus to everyone. (laughs) Merry Axmas. Maximus? That's the one. Max. Yeah, it's Max now. What the heck? And uh, now I'm very excited because at first, you know, when I first got HBO Max, I wanted Guy Fieri, and now I get him. So, uh, Yay. I, I hadn't realized that there was anyone who was truly counting down the minutes before Nobody the is. transition. But. Nobody is. I just got a notice. Honestly, I got a notice on my phone. You know that, uh, like, because it's an A. I have I have HBO Max, and it says, you know, we're transitioning to Max tomorrow. And uh, and so I thought I'd bring that up today. So. Uh, I look I look forward to seeing what the what the vaunted new interface looks like, and all of that. Uh, I assume it will be triumphant or something. <laughs> <sighs> all yeah. right. Well, it's Max Day. <laughs> 
Let's celebrate Max Day, shall we? Let's talk about HBO stuff. Uh, the penultimate episodes of a couple of big Sunday shows happened uh, oh. just this past weekend. Um, Sad. To... I don't. I don't know what to do with all of this. I don't know. I don't know what what to and, do about the fact that they're all just going to end next bef- week. Before we get to the, to that, what re- what replaces them? The Idol, right? The uh, well, the Idol will definitely replace. I guess it would be succession it's going to replace uh and but only for 6 weeks it's it's only a 6 episode show uh so I don't know if that really is going to count as a replacement for anyone also very it seems highly unlikely that the idol is going to be good <laughs> Yeah, I, no, don't, I don't. I I don't know how else to put that though. Uh, <laughs> as I mean, it is of course Tuesday as we're recording this, and people are listening. But so that means that yesterday on Monday, the Idol had its premiere on uh, at Cannes. So right, I saw that. I saw uh, the the depth and the weekend. Uh, so we will there. see how people respond to yeah. that. But I can't uh, help but not care. Um, it's, it seems entirely reasonable to to yeah. not care. And one of our critics on the ground in Cannes is going to be reviewing it because HBO didn't want to send out streaming screeners for critics. So yeah. it's, in fact, entirely plausible. I might just go on with my life and let this one <laughs> exist without my watching it. I mean, probably I will because I assume yeah. that for better or for worse, it's going to be a conversation that people are going to want to have and that I'll yeah. want to be a part of I- to some degree. But. I'm not a I'm not a big euphoria guy, so um, this doesn't. I'm not a Levinson. I like you know I don't like either Levinsons very much. I used to like the the Barry. I like some of his stuff, but I do not I particularly like euphoria either, unfortunately. And and the trailers don't give any real indication that it's a thing that I want to be a part of. But again, I'll I'll definitely watch. So maybe yeah. maybe on my next visit we will be able to discuss yeah. the idol. I, I mean, I'm gonna watch it too. I mean, you know, because it's there. Or Pretty maybe much. I won't, if, unless I screw up my whole uh, system by hooking up the wrong equipment. <laughs> maybe I won't even be able to watch it. Um, Guess no, what, Nick? You know yeah. where you'll be able to watch it? On HP. On Max! Exactly. <laughs> I almost said HBO Max. You oh, my almost, God, I'm sorry. I, I don't even want to know what year you're still writing on your checks. <laughs> Who or that knows? I'm writing checks, which is a, <laughs> another... I have okay. a checkbook somewhere. I do, too. But I do, too. Uh, I don't use right. it often. Though. Speaking of euphoria, have you seen reality? Uh, I have not yet seen reality. Uh, again, that one goes under the heading of things that we treat as movies because I think it premiered at some film festival or another, but I am definitely looking forward to seeing it at some point because I like the Sydney Sweeney, even so if she's uh, attempting to be all plain and dowdy looking for this. It, it definitely looks like it is a different treatment of Sydney Sweeney from what Sam Levinson does on Euphoria, which is perv on her for eight to ten episodes a season. So. Yeah. I guess this is more mature. I hear she's really good, I, and I hear it's pretty good. So, yeah. have, you, have you had a chance to check this one out yet? No, it's not. Is it out? It's not out, but I wasn't sure if, in some contexts in which, no, you I'm, moved, I'm, it was being treated as a movie. Oh no, no, no. Yes, I no. I have not. There has not been a screening or anything like that. No, it hasn't. In, in that regard, no. Uh, on my film critic, in my film critic world, has not been. There has not been a screening of it. Um, although I did see the, I did see that basketball LeBron James thing. Uh, for Peacock, they did screen that for us. Basketball, uh, LeBron, and I can't even remember Peacock. the goddamn. I okay. just saw it. Shooting Stars, Shooting huh. Stars. It's a I Peacock don't movie even that they know what that is. <laughs> okay, well, you don't need to. It's you, trust okay. me. 
It's a it's based on the book that LeBron James wrote with the guy who wrote Friday Night Lights, and it's based on his young days in high school when he bonded with four other guys. They were called the the, the shooting stars, and then LeBron James, of course, went on to a little bit of success in the NBA, and that's uh, what it's about. And I and they screened it like in a big movie theater <laughs> for us. <laughs> Uh, I didn't know what it was. It was like a, a, an invite I got, new movie, shooting stars. And there are times when I don't know what a movie is, and I'm like, okay, well, it's a press screening. I'll go. And then when I got there, I'm like, wait, this is a Peacock movie, and it's about LeBron James? I could not care less. And that was my response after I saw it, too. So, <laughs> Duly noted. Yeah. But anyway, they have not screened reality. But I did see shooting stars. So there you go. I don't know. I am looking, I am looking forward to reality because, again, it's, a, it's an interesting enough story. And Yeah. Yeah, and I like Why Sydney not? Sweeney too. I think she's great. You know, I mean, I know that the, there's there, you know, there's the whole perv element that people have about her, but I think she's also really terrific. I mean, just White Lotus was enough to prove that she was a, you know, that she's way beyond just her looks. That she's really, I think, very talented. So, um, yeah. All right. So that's reality and the idol. And then, do we know when True Detective? Have they even discussed when the Jodie Foster True Detective it's, is coming? It's out? significantly later in the year, but I mean, they have. There was a a full trailer that was released, and I thought the full trailer actually looked really good. So yeah, me too. I, yeah. I'm yeah, yeah. I'm kind of engaged by that. I can I can be interested, and, and Jodie Foster on TV seems interesting enough. Why not? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, what a, what a glorious age in which to live. Arnold Schwarzenegger coming to your TV on Netflix this very Friday. I cannot say anything at all about that show of his because it's embargoed. But, you know, okay. it definitely is a show that is coming to Netflix this week. So. Okay. Well, that's something to be said. All right. As we mentioned on HBO, uh, we had the penultimate uh, uh, episodes for the end of, of two series, is, 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 and that would be Barry and Succession. Um which one would you like to discuss? And have you seen the finales of either of them? I have not seen the finales for either of them. Uh, we have been notified that we definitely will not have screeners for the succession finale. That one I know, uh, though I've heard it has a running time of 90 minutes. Everything yeah. just everything just creeps. Everything just grows. So, Yeah, the, uh, the episode, last night's episode was an hour and... 17 or something like that. Yeah, it was it was it was definitely a long episode. Um and somehow though it still feels less aggressively overlong than for example the fact that this week's new episode of Ted Lasso uh which I think might also be the the penultimate episode is 70 minutes. And that's oh for a God. half hour and that's for a half hour oh, comedy. Man. Oh. <laughs> I stopped. I stopped Ted Lasso a long time ago. So uh, yeah. <sighs> I I feel bad about Ted Lasso because in every episode there are there is absolutely between 25 and 30 minutes of what i think is really really good tv and unfortunately episodes this season have been 67 minutes 63 minutes there was a 57 minute episode it's just not it's not the way the rhythms of the show were designed to work have you interviewed anybody you know cuz on your but first of all tell everybody about your podcast let's 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 talk about the other podcast that you're on well your sure. podcast uh, that would be TV's Top 5. It premieres on all of your various podcasting platforms every Friday morning. I host it with my colleague Leslie Goldberg. We cover the news of the week in the television industry. I do a handful of reviews every episode, and we also... Typically, we have had weekly interviews with showrunners, uh, but on the other hand, because of the ongoing WGA strike, we've 
pulled back on that. Also, most showrunners are not doing promotion for their shows. So it's not like we said, no, 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 don't come talk to us. It's like they said, we're not doing this. But we have had interviews with uh, various different writers in a writer's guild and strike related capacity. So we've had some of that. Well, um, in the time that you've been doing this podcast, when you've talked to showrunners, have you ever asked them their opinion of why shows have to be so damn long now? Why episodes? I know because this is a constant thing that we've talked about for a few years now. You know, um, what has that ever been something that you've talked about or oh, has anybody it, ever? All, all yeah. the t- we, we discuss it all the time. And the answer is always that everyone just appreciates being in a streaming space where they can have whatever time is required to tell the story. So there's no way to tell the people on Ted Lasso. No, no, no. Actually, you did not require 67 minutes to tell this story. Uh, because they mostly just like not having restrictions. And in a in a principled sense, I agree and appreciate Absolutely. that. Yep. Uh, and, yep. and I would never necessarily want to tell anyone, if your story requires 67 minutes, don't tell a story in 67 minutes. But too often, the stories do not require the time. Too mm. often dramas prestige dramas explore you know the the last stranger things finale was two and a half hours long so so it's so it's ridiculous there as is and it's just it's just funny because you go back and you you think of the classic shows like mad men and uh you know breaking bad and all of that and over their runs those shows expanded a little bit and maybe by the time they were in their last episode some of their episodes were 50 minutes or 55 minutes but there's no way that if you gave matt weiner full power and creative control that he wouldn't have made the finale of mad men like 17 hours long and (laughs) sometimes sometimes you really just need someone to say okay you don't need this much time. Yeah. That being said, I am fairly confident that if Jesse Armstrong feels like he needed 90 minutes to do the series finale of Succession, that probably he needed 90 minutes to do mm. the series finale of Succession. Is you know Barry hasn't really gone this route at all. Uh, no, Barry's been, no. Barry's been sticking to 30 minutes and uh, maybe a couple of minutes longer than 30. Yeah, I'll be there. I'll be interested to see how long the the finale of that is. If if Bill Hader feels like he wants to go to to 40 or 45 minutes, but he, it just doesn't feel like he has decided that the show needs to be as long as he, you know, as he can. It, it feels like he still likes the structure that he's working in. So yeah. Who knows? <laughs> well, how do you feel about the penultimate episodes of those shows? Which one would you like to start with? Uh, um, we can let's let's start with Barry because because we, okay. we were just there, um, and I I liked it. It definitely definitely felt like a um, a setting the pieces yeah. on the chessboard finale, yeah. and I, and I mean penultimate yeah. episode, and and much more so than the sort of the HBO structure has has been over the years, where usually the penultimate episode is the episode everything happens and then things get sorted out in the finale that that tends to be the way that shows like uh the sopranos and uh you know so many shows of that ilk at the wire used to do it where the penultimate episode was always the big episode and i don't and and this to me absolutely felt like an okay here here's where all the pieces are in the board as we head into the finale so i don't think i liked it as much as the last two but I still, you know, there there was still ample stuff that I thought was both yeah. hilarious and kind of shattering at times. The the, the, uh, the for me, I mean, the whole 
uh, looking every in every box of the heads. Yes. The heads. I mean, that was just. <laughs> I, I was laughing my ass off to it. Like, even admiring how handsome the fourth head was, I just thought that was a great choice and very, very funny. Um, and I liked the fact that as soon as uh, Daniel Day-Lewis's name is mentioned, no, Mark Wahlberg. Actually, it was Mark Wahlberg where he blew his cover, where, uh, <laughs> where Henry Winkler just dropped the umbrella and went, Mark Wahlberg, and <laughs> jumped up. I thought that was funny, too. Um, yeah. Um, I, 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 I find the stuff with um, uh, Sarah Goldberg uh, to be interesting right now. Like, that, that, like, what's in her head? What do you think? What's in her head? What's really happening? How much of this is just her, like, you know, like, on drugs or having some sort of hallucinatory problem or something? Like, why was the cop's eye bleeding? And <laughs> what exactly happened in the house? Was there somebody in the house? Did somebody really take a a car and smash it and move that. I mean, all of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I like... definitely, uh, when it, when it comes to the, the stuff in the trailer or in the house, I, I haven't the faintest idea. Yeah. I can, I, I can accept it either way. It doesn't, you know, yeah. I, and it, yeah. and it doesn't bother me. Like I don't, uh, some people really did seem actively confused by what happened in that scene. And if it was all in her head, that's fine. And if yeah. it wasn't all in her head, that's probably also fine. Either one to me totally fits with what the show does. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I guess I just thought that the, uh, the previous episode where we actually saw her kind of self-hatred manifesting yeah. with her restaurant yeah. job and with the gross coworker and all that and, and kind of the self-destructive side of that, I thought that was more interesting than necessarily when it was all potentially right. in her head. But, right. you know, that's just kind of a preference yeah. on how I agree. you like the show operating. I agree with that, too. I, I, totally, uh, I totally agree with that. And I thought that, the, the, that, was the, the, the episode, the, that section of the episode inside the house with the guy coming in, that all seemed to me like it, it seemed extraneous and it seemed like, look, Bill Hader at some point is going to make a horror movie and he wants to show everybody that he can do that. That's what it felt like. That's what it kind of felt like to me. And I'm cool with that. You know, I def- there is there is no question that he has been weaving in a horror movie or or at the very least sort of terrifying suspense thriller type moves. Yeah. Left and right. And it, look, he is he is an extraordinarily talented director. And so There's no question about it. by all means. But on the other hand, the the scene with Noho Hank in the four boxes this episode was absolutely my favorite scene <laughs> because too. it was absolutely hilarious. And <laughs> it was a good reminder. Oh, yeah, right. You know, when the show wants to be, it is as funny as it wants to be. Well, so. and also the whole the whole scene where and I love that. I got to say, I love the transformation that Stephen Root, like when he comes out and they're playing Black Sabbath's The Wizard. I was just beside myself. I that whole sequence with when with the reintroduction of him all tatted up and just, you know. Um, but that whole scene where, where where he's surrounded by his you know by his posse and they're trying to like explain well maybe I should take them out to dinner instead of like killing people right in front of you know, <laughs> I thought that was all very very funny too in the same kind of way that unboxing the foreheads was funny. Yes, uh, both both the drollness of it and also the extendedness yeah. of it. That that scene kind of felt like it was going on forever, and yet that was where the humor was, is that this right. was a conversation that was expanded and extended. So, right. yeah, yeah. No, that was that was well, also a good scene. Uh, it's a, I mean, it's a great show, and and, uh, and weird and funny, and, and leaves up a lot of questions, and everybody in it is terrific, and I can't wait for... Uh, I'm sad that it's ending, but, um, you know, I think it's time. You know what I mean? It's one of those deals where it's like, it, this is a, I think this is the right time for the show to end. 
my feel my feeling is always that I just don't want to end up having to resent a show that I loved, and so anything that keeps me from <laughs> from yeah. turning on yeah. Barry or turning on Succession, I am entirely in favor of. Uh, By the way, did, did you see the news story? I'm sure you have. Obviously, you have. Where Larry Larry uh, Larry David uh, said, "Ah, you should have ended." Uh, at season three, he told Bill Hader, you should have ended at season three. And th- meanwhile, he's going into what, season 60 of Curb at this, p- it, at this point? It goes on, but it's also one of those things where he's where there have been five year periods where there were no episodes of Curb. True. And it was. Right, and, right. and so similarly, HBO has said that Curb is done after the upcoming next season. But if Larry David comes and says, right. I will have another season, they'll obviously let him right. do that. But don't you think that's funny, though, that he's giving advice on how to, yeah, you should end it now. It's, it's a little, I mean, look, he also, keep, keep in mind, he also had all the time where Seinfeld kind of went off the rails or allegedly went off the rails after he was no longer steering it. And so probably he's got a kind of built-in resentment because of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and there were also seasons of Curb Your Enthusiasm that were kind of just really bad and that yeah. people called him on being really bad. So I think right. he... I think he knows the feeling of being associated with shows where there's even a perception that you overstage your welcome. And so true. True. He's, okay. He's I, being, he's being caring and conscientious. He is just like we think of Larry David as being <laughs> right. vintage, also, vintage Larry David looking out for everybody else. <laughs> exactly. But also what's funny is that this season turns out to be great. So like he's bitching about a show that didn't overstay its welcome. Like this is good. Like the fourth oh. season of Barry has been good. So, it it has been it has been very good, uh, but not as good as I don't think the current season of Succession, which has okay. just been pretty well, dynamite. So where 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 do you stand on it? Um, uh, and uh, and the penultimate episode, what did that do for you? That's the funeral I thought, episode. I, I thought the penultimate episode was terrific. Uh, for me, it was a it was a good bounce back because I was less of a fan of the election episode than a lot yeah. of people were. Um, yeah. Yeah. My my feeling has always been. I said this on Twitter and I've said it everywhere else as well, that that I just think when the show is directly being directly saying what it's satirizing, it becomes a little more on the nose than I like it to be. I still like the writing. I still like the performances, all of that. It just doesn't seem as good to me when it tells me exactly what it's about. I felt the same way with the. Uh, the political episode last season as well. So I thought the election episode, while obviously, you know, stomach churning and twisting and all of that, it, it was it was a little more on the nose than I needed. But this week's episode, I thought, was was dynamite and, and did everything it needed to do. It was shattering on on so many levels and just God, just every every time you turn around in this episode, somebody else is giving a, a spectacular performance. And whether it's uh, whether it's Kieran Culkin, who who at this point ought to be settled in for an Emmy win, uh, but if he isn't, Jeremy Strong could absolutely deserve to be. And everyone assumes that Sarah Snook is going to win, and and then. Uh, then there's your best friend uh, James Cromwell, and everyone would like to everyone would like to hear the story. Um, but your best friend James Cromwell, who absolutely guaranteed himself an Emmy nomination oh, last yeah. night, or yeah, yeah. sorry, Sunday night, uh, yeah. and and probably a win because it's yeah. my assumption that Succession is just going to win everything. everything. So it'll win. Everything. So anyway, so tell me about your your friendship well, with James Cromwell. I, you know, if you're a regular listener, you've probably heard this story. But many years ago, I was walking from the. Uh, AMC River East Theater West on on Illinois, and he was walking east. And uh, in all of my incredible uh, 
intelligence, I decided, oh, wouldn't it be funny if I kind of stopped him on the street and said, uh, that'll do pig. That'd be hilarious. He'd love that. <laughs> um, and so that's what I did. I was like, hey, that'll do pig. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I posted this on, on Facebook uh, the other night after I watched uh, Succession. And there is a moment in Succession where um, the character that James Cromwell plays, uh, uh, Brian Cox's brother, uh, walking up, he's not scheduled, and they they had a tight schedule. They had a tight, they had to fit like a tight ninety into that into the <laughs> in, into the funeral. This person was going to speak, and that was it, and blah blah blah. And and he crashed the funeral basically, and walked up to say some words. And at one point, um, Nicholas Braun tries to stop him, and there's a moment where he like looks at Nicholas Braun like, "Get away from me! I will kill you if you don't let me get up here and speak." And that's exactly how James Cromwell looked at me uh, <laughs> when I said, "That'll do, pig," on the street. Oh, that must be that must be tough for him if that's what his reaction is anytime anyone says that'll do pig. But too. I mean, I, my, the thing is, like, I, I don't blame him at all. I'm not I, I thought it was hilarious. like afterwards. I walked I walked away afterwards. I walked away and I was like, OK, that's pretty great. OK, that's that's exactly how he should have responded, because every asshole on the planet has probably walked up to him and said, that'll do pig. Like, you know, and this was like not in the 90s. This was in the 2000s. So, you know, babe had been out probably at this point for probably 10, 15 years when I did this. So this is about 10 years at least of him hearing that every goddamn day, you know? <laughs> there, there is no question the story is better with him giving you a death glare rather than him just smiling and giving you a thumbs up oh, or yeah. something. Yeah, no, no, no. He gave me, like, just, you're an idiot. You know what I mean? Like, he, that was the look. It was like, just, please. Uh, though and I was though like, the I, best response would have been if he had uh, done the the leaping heel click that he does in Babe. <laughs> if every single time anyone said that'll do pig to him, if James right. Cromwell did the jumping heel click, that would be the best response. But Somebody said that I should have said to him, instead of that'll do pig, I should have said to him, I got the cruise control set at 35. That's that. That's from Revenge of the Nerds. So that's what I should have said. Somebody oh said boy, it. would that have confused James Cromwell? I think I think probably James Cromwell is prepared for Babe references or the occasional Rollo Tomasi reference. Exactly. And I think anything yeah. beyond right. that, right. and you're or putting they, a little they, too much pressure got, on him. You got Star Trek geeks out there too. They could have, you know, they could have gone with some Star Trek <laughs> stuff too. But like my friend immediately went, "Man, why didn't you just say I got the I got the old good I got the good old cruise control set at 35? And I was like, "Man, I should have done that." That. that would have been that's a deep honestly cut. that requires more work from you in what was a purely spontaneous moment like i think right. if you were at a convention and let's say right. you were standing right. in line with five people ready to ask him a question then you could have that queued up and ready to go right but when you're going off the you know whatever's on the tip the of your tongue yeah yeah, yeah. exactly you gotta, and I, gotta saw, go like, I, I literally saw him maybe 15 seconds i noticed him maybe 15 seconds before i said it like i saw him i went oh my god that's james cromwell and i knew he was in tether shooting something i can't, don't remember what it was but but there there you know they, this had been like a big per- is he in one of the transformers movies Everyone's in one of the Transformers okay. movies. Okay, it might have because we were for sure. Like this city was was like shut down for like a month when Michael Bay and his other idiots were filming those movies downtown. So my, if he's in a Transformers movie, that's what they were shooting, without question. But anyway, so I saw him 15 seconds before I said that. So have I told you my my John Mahoney story? <laughs> I feel like you must have, but is is it the exact same story, only with a slightly no, different elderly white guy? Yeah, 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 but it's no, but the response is different. Oh, okay, go the, ahead. The resp- I've, I've told this story a million times, uh, so if you are a regular listener, just it'll, it'll take two minutes. 
I was at a, a, a bar called O'Rourke's. This was back when I was still a drinking man. And, um, and my friends, this was at O'Rourke's, and this was when the bar was located. This was a, a, a great pub where you would just go and get drunk, and they had, like, giant pictures of Irish writers all over the wall. It was just that kind of place. Um, and so it was a dark bar, and it was right across the street from Steppenwolf Theater. It was located directly across the street. So when shows were over or before shows, not only would audience members, and then after shows, a lot of cast members would come in. And Mahoney was a cast member of, uh, you know, he was an ensemble member with the Steppenwolf for many years. And he was doing a show across the street, and one night he came in. My friends and I were sitting in the booth, and I had had a bunch. I had had a, I had, I was sober when I said it to James Cromwell, so I had no excuse. But... <laughs> In this story, I was drunk. And so I'm at the bar, or I'm sitting at the, at the booth, and, and Mahoney comes in. Um, and, uh, and he goes to the, he sits at the end of the bar, and there's a whole bunch of people there. And, and, and at O'Rourke's, people can, celebrities could, like Edward Herman came in a couple of nights. He was doing a show, and, you know, like other celebrities came in. So, so Mahoney comes in, and I'm drunk. And I say to my friends, look, it's John Mahoney, you know. This is pre-Fraser. Okay. Okay, so this is before Fraser. So, uh, I mean, and obviously, you know, here in the city, he was much more known before he became huge nationwide because we love him here in Chicago. <laughs> so he comes in, he sits down, he's having a conversation with somebody, and I'm like, I'm going to go over and talk to him. And my friends are like, no, man, I don't, I don't think you should. And I said, no, 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 this will be good. This will be really good. And I walk up, and he looks at me, and he reaches, you know, he, he puts his hand out to shake my hand, okay? And I grab his hand, I shake his hand, and I just yell into his face, I'm incarcerated, Lloyd! Like, into his face. <laughs> and, 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 uh, and, and then I let go of his hand, and I turn around, and I start to walk back to the table. That's all I said. So I scream, and I'm incarcerated, Lloyd, in his face. I turn around and walk, and all of a sudden, I hear that Mahoney laugh. You know, that, ah, you know, the John Mahoney laugh. <laughs> uh-huh. And he laughs his ass off, like, laughs his ass off, and the next thing you know, there's a round of drinks at our table. Um, so it, that went well. And no, wait, there's, an even, there's a bigger capper on this, Dan. <laughs> um, a few years later, Entertainment Weekly did uh, one of those uh, issues that was dedicated to the anniversary of a movie or a TV show where they did like a reunion and stuff. And it was like the 20th or 25th anniversary, 25th anniversary, I think, of Say Anything. So they did like the oral history thing, you know, where they interviewed everybody. John Cusack said this and Irony Sky said that, you know. So sure. Mahoney was part of that. So they asked everybody, the big question was, what is the lasting legacy of Say Anything? And so Cusack tells the story, and Ioni Sky tells the story. And Mahoney tells the story, and I'm not kidding you. Mahoney says, I was in a bar one time in Chicago <laughs> called O'Rourke's. And a drunk guy came up to me and screamed, I'm incarcerated, Lloyd, into my face. And he said, that's my favorite memory of Say Anything. Aww. I'm not kidding you. And I read that, and I went, holy shit. I was on my couch, like alone. And I'm like, that's me. He's talking about me. You know, that was, I was the drunk guy. And, but that's true. Like, if you go back and you look up that issue, I don't know, it's somewhere there, but there's a quote. Maybe I think, obviously, I'm not quoting it, you know, exactly. But it was something like one of my favorite memories ever was a drunk guy at O'Rourke's came up to me and screamed, I'm incarcerated, Lloyd, into my face. So there you go. And now I want to seek out the, uh, the babe oral history where, where James <laughs> Cromwell says the exact same thing. What is the legacy of this movie for you, James Cromwell? Well, I was walking down the street in Chicago, and this guy passed me by and said, that'll do, pig. That's it, man. And I believe he was the same drunk idiot who went up to Mahoney. Because <laughs> I'm incarcerated, Lloyd, is one of my favorite lines in film history. 
I, it's, I love, it's my favorite line in that movie, a movie filled with great lines, and I love his delivery of it. And I remember the first time I saw it, I'm like, oh my God, what? Where did that come from? Where did that line, where did that line come from? It's my favorite line. And, 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 I, and from what I understand, it's one of Mahoney's favorite lines ever, too. So I picked the right time and the right, because he's the right person to do that, too, as well. But anyway. But no, it went very well. Not only did we get free drinks, but he remembered it, you know, like 15 years later. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and in conclusion, James Cromwell was terrific in yeah. this weekend's. Succession. He was. He was fantastic. He was. He was. He was really great. I, and I. I thought the show. I'm. I'm not as big a huge like crazy fan about the show as everybody else is. I like it very much, but I just don't like when things ha- like the Kieran Culkin thing. I thought was well acted, but I don't care about these people. So I was like, all right. <laughs> I, don't, I think I, you, I, I, I don't know that you need to. I don't know that you need to feel pity for him so much as to to kind of recognize the humanity in the moment yeah. which doesn't require sympathy with roman it just requires sympathy with the human condition and yes. with the grieving process etc etc i think you can do that without liking any of the characters yeah. it's true no it's, it's true and that's why i continue to watch it i don't i just i'm just not as insane about it like you said you prefer success i'm a barry guy over a succession guy but that's just me but totally but succession fair. is but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's a big 90-minute uh, uh, finale, and I've heard, like, uh, quotes from people like Adam McKay said, oh, my God, it's the best episode ever. Of course, he's got, you know, a lot invested in saying that. Um, uh, I read an article this morning that Taika Waititi said it was the best thing he's ever seen on television. So what kind of weird-ass viewing party did, uh, <laughs> did Jesse Armstrong hold for the finale? God. Well, fine. Here, here are here are all of my cool. Here are all of my cool director friends. Here, watch the succession finale. No spoilers. I wonder. I wonder what the director of Ragnarok thought of uh, the finale. That's the first thing that came into my head. Um, but anyway, but uh, and it obviously. I mean, it's going to be the talk of the town next week, and everybody will be going crazy. It is though. It's going to confuse everyone because of the whole Memorial Day weekend aspect of it. So we'll, oh, we'll yeah. see how everybody is planning their schedules yeah. and all of that. It's going to be. Yeah. You know, it'll, it'll, tough. It'll, it'll, it's a big it's a big TV weekend for sure. No question about it. Um, now, now, speaking of Barry, uh, Sarah Goldberg is in a show on IFC that no one had even like really heard of until uh, we, we talked about it the last time. It's just because I had in the background, I had my TV set to IFC because they were doing Parks and Rec. And all of a sudden I saw commercials for this show called Sisters with two capital S's, one at the beginning and one at the end. It stars Sarah Goldberg. You reviewed it. Uh, I did, and I believe I'm just about the only one. So, uh, so people still haven't heard of Sisters, but it did premiere last week on IFC, and it's it's interesting because it is it's co-created by Sarah Goldberg and Susan Stanley, and they are the stars of the show. And the premise of the show is a young Canadian woman. Her mother dies, and she finds out that her father might still be alive and might be in Ireland. So she. Heads across the pond, meets the sister she never knew she had, and together they go in search of their father. A little bit sort of Irish, rambly, road trippy comedy. Uh, lots of fish out of water stuff. I thought a lot of the fish out of water stuff was fairly cliched, uh, but not necessarily in a, in a horrible way. Just in a here are two actors who wrote themselves an acting showcase and haven't done this before. It might really rely, rely mm. a little bit on tropes more than right. necessarily. Right one might want it to uh but it's it's just a it's a good solid vehicle for sarah goldberg it's a it's a good reminder of how versatile she is both obviously as a creator but also as a performer and it has moments that are very very good uh 
it's sometimes funny. It's it's got some sort of human pain related stuff to it. Uh, but I, I mostly enjoyed it. It's only six episodes. That is the the wonder of the British slash uh, Irish production system. And and so only six episodes, all under 30 minutes. No 67-minute Ted Lasso episodes for for this one. Uh, and yeah, you know, sort of sort of painless. And some and some of the cameos, there are some cameos and guest turns that are are uh, amusing and appealing, uh, including the always welcome Fiona LaFlanagan, who mm pops up in one episode and, and she is always great when she pops up in things. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so I, I enjoyed it. Did you, did you check out the I, first episode? It's on my DVR and I'm going to have to watch it before all my equipment blows up. So uh, <laughs> I, yes, it's on my DVR. I've not watched it yet, but it was, I was planning on actually like saving it, you know, and, and like I was going to like save it. Cause I, like you said, I knew it was only six episodes. And I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to watch them all. And I can't do that now because I have to turn into a TV repairman at some point this week. And, uh, <laughs> And probably lose everything I have my DVR, so I'm going to watch it probably tomorrow morning. Yeah, it's it is it's definitely not essential, but I think if people are fans of Sarah Goldberg and just generally the the fish out of water stuff is is not unappealing. You know, they film in Dublin and uh, and other places in the Irish countryside. Uh, it has it has a lot of appealing elements to it. It's yeah. it's definitely not essential, but it is it's likable enough. I it's very say. appealing. To, it's very appealing to me because I my favorite place on earth is Ireland, uh, and uh, and I love Sarah Goldberg, so I'm looking I'm really looking forward to it. So um, uh, so that's only six episodes. In in kind of a, a an interesting segue here, you review uh, the uh, Happy Valley um, because this is also a British uh, well. Irish is different than British. I don't want to get everybody mad. (laughs) Definitely don't want to get yourself in that particular. I do not. I do not. That's the last thing I want. But uh, Happy Valley, and this is season three, correct? This is season three and the first season in seven years. It's been a it's been yeah. a long time. And yeah, yeah, yeah. this is a show that that aired on Netflix for its first two seasons in the States, uh, but that Netflix never really had any particular investment in. It it was never a show they pushed hard to critics or anyone. It was just a show that was was there and part of their library, and then it meandered off, and it has most recently been on Acorn and I think maybe episodes are on AMC Plus, but that's always a little bit confusing to me because the services are all kind of siblings. Uh, And then the third season is airing simultaneously on AMC Plus, Acorn TV and BBC America. And it's it's so yeah. Try try keeping up with that as best as anyone can. But the the bottom line is it's a it's a really just a great show. And um, Sarah Lancashire plays the main character who's a a small city uh, small city big town uh, police sergeant who whose family has been torn apart by a particularly violent sociopath who's played by the great James Norton uh and it's simultaneously about how she continues to go about her life how she continues to deal with her family after the horrible things that happen, and also the fact that this sociopath continues to pop up in various capacities. And the final season was announced as final season, and it is very much a, a closure to the arc between the main characters. And it's it's just so good. It's it's such um, it's a show that is really entertaining and you know gripping drama, but also it's it's dark, it's twisted. 
Again, Sarah Lancaster, just as good a performance as there is. James Norton gives very, very good sociopath and and he's excellent. Uh, so yeah, I was, I was happy to have this one back. And also again, it's only, only six episodes. So it goes by very, very fast. First two seasons, also only six episodes. So you can watch it all in, in a weekend. Um, uh, that's a lesson I think we should learn from the Brits uh, is that, you know, you can do really great television. I mean, Ricky Gervais, how many episodes total of there was The Office? The uh, I believe like eight. Tw- I, I think I, thought, I think it might have been 12. And then there was the Christmas, the Christmas special, special. And then there was yeah. the, the movie that came afterwards right. that was really not very good and et cetera. But right. yeah, no, they, they definitely that is um, a thing that the British do fairly well. Uh, Happy Valley. I discovered because Sarah Lancashire was on um, Graham Norton's show one time. Um, and I'd never heard of it, and I watched that, and I watched your interview, and they showed clips and talked about it. I was like, wow, that looks cool, and then I, I discovered it on Netflix. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's terrific. It's man. gripping stuff. And she was yeah. also really good in uh, in Julia, which aired its first season on HBO Max, but will air its second season on Max. Uh, yeah. So, uh, she, yeah, she she did a very good job of playing Julia Child without it being a pure yeah. car- uh, caricature because she's just a really, really good actress. Terrific actress. Uh, Happy Valley. It's on 27 different uh, formats. <laughs> 27 different formats, and there's at least a chance that you don't have any of them as the problem. That's the, that's the confusing part. Is like I, I listed right. all of those things, and there's at least a solid chance that none of those are services that you have. So Acorn, AMC Plus, and BBC America. Okay. Uh, I have, I have uh, two of those, so uh, I'll, be able to, I'll be able to watch Happy Valley, which, which I'm very excited about, because I, I thought the, uh, the other seasons were great. So very definitely cool worth it. Very, very yeah. cool. Um, and uh, so w- any word on what's happening? You've been covering, obviously, the strike because it's a big thing. And you've been talking about it on your uh, TV's Top 5 uh, podcast. What's the latest, if people are interested? The latest continues to be that it's ongoing and there are no active negotiations at this point. So it, it just continues. And then the sort of the billowing storm cloud on the horizon is that uh, the Screen Actors Guild just sent out a strike authorization vote, and it's expected that they're going to vote to at least authorize a strike. And that won't be until the end of June that they would actually be able to go out on strike. But I believe the authorization vote results will be available on like the 7th or 8th of June. But regardless, that is another thing that is looming on the horizon. And similarly, the Directors Guild, their deal with the uh, the studios is coming to an end at roughly the same time as the as the SAG deal. So there's at least the possibility that the writers, directors, and actors could all be on strike simultaneously, in which case absolutely nothing would be happening in Hollywood and billions and billions of dollars would be lost already millions and millions and probably billions of dollars will be lost just on the writers guild strike um and and all that all that anyone needs to do is pay writers properly and so you know it would be it would be good if the studios would go back to the negotiating table but at at a certain point it's a question of what's going to break them and if it turns out that the actors going on strike would be what would do it then maybe so be it but as of now there's no indication at all that anyone has a feeling of 
of when it's going to end and everyone's already looking at alternatives. So last week was Upfront's week and everyone announced their schedules. But of course, everyone announced, uh, and by everyone, I mean the networks, the broadcast networks, but they announced schedules not knowing what kind of programming they're going to have. So there are all of these original shows in the schedule that in all likelihood won't exist. ABC was at least realistic and the schedule is all reality TV, um, which is kind of sad and pathetic, but at least yeah. it's manageable. Um, and everyone's just doing different things. Like, for example, uh, Big Brother this year is not going to premiere until August yeah. because that at least pushes back, yeah. <laughs> you know, sort of the available programming. And it means that CBS will have programming that will run, you know, three nights a week through at least October. And that's mm -hmm. probably... You know, it's basically strike insurance is what it is. And so that means that anyone expecting Big Brother to come back on on the first week of July, as it usually does, you're going to have to hold out for another month. And yeah, yeah. we'll see how it all goes. Yeah. Uh, and I, I noticed that as soon as I heard that it was uh, premiering on August 2nd, I was like, ah, strike. That's why they're doing it. That's what it is. It's, it's, how every, it's how everything is being shaped in, in the industry yeah. at this point. But as of now, everyone, uh, the writers are still on strike. And who knows? Hey, by the way, I saw your post, uh, your your tweet about Top Chef and Wellingtons. I was drooling during the entire episode as well. I, yeah. I and I, oh, my God. Though, I mean, the the undercooked lamb is still a problem. Yeah. Uh, and and obviously not ideal. But, yes, I am, I am a large fan of the Wellington. And particularly, I thought the Peach Melba dessert Wellington yeah, oh my God. looked spectacular. It did. So. I just, I just, I don't know what it is. I have no idea why, Dan. I can't stand Buddha. Oh, I you have, didn't. I, I know you didn't like him in this I, season either. I can't so. stand the guy. I don't. I don't know what it. I, there's no rationale for it. I just. I. You know. Uh, I. The guy makes me nuts, and he's going to win the goddamn thing two seasons in a row. And I just. <laughs> he. I like. I feel like he has been unquestionably, for the most part, doing better cooking this time around. Like it's. It's felt as if he was much more clearly. Yeah, being in a tier of his own this season, and so yeah. I'm I'm probably okay with it. Though obviously the the couple of Top Chef uh, Middle East veterans have also been very very impressive. Absolutely, and yeah. Amar I thought was great, and you know a little too bad about the uh, the undercooked lamb. That's yeah, just <laughs> I, I loved him too, and I like Sarah too. I thought they were both great, and um, and I and I do watch Last Chance Kitchen, uh, so I'm aware of what. Well, they're keeping it a secret. Actually, the last episode of of uh, Last Chance Kitchen, they didn't show you who the winner was. Yes, they, they did not. I, so. And I hadn't, I hadn't been watching Last Chance Kitchen for whatever reason uh, on Peacock, and then last week I immediately made sure I watched, yeah. and I was like, ah, but they didn't reveal things, so they did. whatever. Jerks. But they do that every season, because I watch Last Chance Kitchen as well. Uh, but yeah, like my, the, people, the people that I were rooting, they're gone now at this point. The people that I was really rooting for, they're gone now. Uh, but, but uh, you know, I mean, I'll, I still watch, because I love it. Uh, although Absolutely. I gotta say, I gotta say, I don't know, Dan. I don't know where you stand on this. That was not Restaurant Wars this year. No, no, it was, was not, not Restaurant Wars you, at all. You, I don't, you, I don't even know can, why they were calling it that. Yep, it, you can call it. it. You can call it Restaurant Wars all you want. That is not Restaurant Wars. I was very, very upset and disappointed with that episode. You felt the same. Oh, absolutely. No, that was it, it. Well, OK, look, it it just wasn't Restaurant Wars. Let, that, that's all I'm going to say. Was it a good episode of TV still? Of course. Was, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But was did it in any way resemble the thing that Restaurant Wars is supposed to be? No, not in okay. any way. None of the challenges were similar. Look, yep. if you don't 
if you don't have people screwing up as front of the house, you exactly. know, it's you're then you're just not doing restaurant wars. Exactly. To me. Because 90% of the time front of the house goes home. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> so anyway. All right. But the Wellingtons were great. And I have to say that I'm surprised that anybody did a, any kind of like cooking or reality show that's around food. Uh, and you did an episode involving Wellingtons and, and Gordon Ramsay wasn't there. That was, I kept waiting like Gordon, how the hell is Gordon Ramsay not in this episode? Though, of course, in that particular instance, and no one wanted to make it clear that the fact that Buddha had worked for Gordon Ramsay right. as long as he apparently did right. was a major Absolutely. advantage. Of course so, it was. Another like they, you know, they acknowledged it and they made it clear he had done this before because of that. But right. they still needed to make it clear that Gordon Ramsay kills people who don't do Wellingtons <laughs> properly. So, of course, he can do a Wellington. He, he literally kills people. <laughs> oh, for sure. So, so yeah, that, that seemed to be like a little bit of a cheat but on the other hand you know you always have there was whoever won the challenge a couple weeks ago with with their mentor chef as the guest yeah, judge exactly. that was also a little ridiculous these yeah. it, it's, it's it how these things go it happens exactly uh anything uh, you're writing about uh, currently i know that you you have a, an embargo on fubar so you can't talk about that i do um, indeed have an embargo on fubar um i by the time people listen to this my review of uh gremlins secrets of the mogwai should oh be up and it's God. it's really entertaining it really oh, is. It is yes oh. it's not like like it's not look it is not the movie and it is not in any way should not be compared to it but it is charming and anarchic in a lot of similar okay. ways that All work right. like is now, it like look is it going to replace the movie and the sequel in your memories no right. but i have a lot of emotional investment in that property you know anyone who follows me on any social yep. media knows i have yeah. gizmo as my yep. avatar everywhere yep. uh, and it is in no way a desecration of the property okay good i'm glad to know that because i know how much you care about it and i know that uh, yes no that i was i was to- i was totally prepared to be annoyed slash resentful right. and I, I was in no way good well you things. know what coming from you that makes me feel good seriously i was like oh okay no seriously Seriously, you know, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm very happy to hear that. And, uh, and I think we've talked about it before that it's one of those cases in, in the movie world where I absolutely think the sequel is better than the original. <laughs> and I am not with you, but I do think that the sequel, no, and I think the sequel is, is a tremendous amount of fun. I just don't think yeah. that the sequel has any of the emotional underpinnings right. of the first movie. And that th- to me is the difference. I think the reason why I like it so much is because it's more Dante. Like it's more, it's just, oh. un, it's unbridled Joe Dante insanity. And I think and that's is, why I love it so much. It is, unquestion, it is unquestionably a funnier movie. Yeah. Oh my God. Just there is no, mo- <laughs> there is no moment in it for me that it comes close to equaling Phoebe Cates' story about her father. Oh, you know, there, there's yeah. just nothing that's even in that league. Yeah. And, has, and so. And has, has Christopher Columbus ever written anything? I mean, I'm talking specifically that monologue ever written anything remotely close to that ever. oh no no definitely <laughs> no definitely not. <laughs> so, okay <laughs> he did he, he did some interesting writing in that particular phase of his career before he sort of transitioned into becoming the blandest director on earth but there <laughs> at, the, at the time he seemed like he he had yeah. that interesting kind of zemeckisy yeah yeah feeling and yep. and yeah. <laughs> yeah no i'm with you but that monologue is oh my god classic so anyway, all right, looking forward to, to reading all about the Gremlin show. Cool. All right, Dan, uh, well, uh, we will talk to you next time, and everybody check out uh, The Hollywood Reporter in the fine print, F-I-E-N. Dan, always a pleasure. I'll talk to you next time. Sounds good. Talk to you later, uh, Nick. See you later. There you go. Dan Feinberg, everybody. And uh, let's say hello to Esmeralda Leon. Esmeralda. Yeah. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah. Esmeralda. I'm talking about that 
Leon uh, joins me every episode of the podcast. It is a Tuesday, which means my dad is going to join Esmeralda and I to tell a joke. He'll he'll knock on the door, he'll bust the door down, and break up the entire apartment, and then tell a joke. I don't know what that means. I hope uh, he pays you. <laughs> yeah, after he smashes up the apartment. Are you kidding? I, uh, I owe my parents. Are you kidding? Are you kidding me? At uh, least brings you back some furniture the next yeah, time. The next time he'll just be, grab some furniture on the way. That's Esmeralda Leon. Hi, Esmeralda. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. So, Esmeralda, you were in Vegas for a while. I was, yes. Uh, not to break the illusion, but we were faking it like you were still here, actually, when you were. <laughs> yes. Um, but you are really back now. This is for real. You're, mm-hmm. You were back mm-hmm. from your trip. So, how was Vegas? And um, I understand that you did see... A show while you're there, which is cool because one of the yeah. things that you should do when you go to Vegas is try to see a show. Yeah, and they, um, as you had uh, pointed out, they had a few shows going on and starting, and it's it's quite amazing how many acts are, are starting up or are there already, like yeah. that are super famous people. Yeah. Um, but I went to go see Katy Perry. <laughs> And she has, she's, she's been there. I don't know how long yeah. she's, yeah, she's yeah, been she's, there. She's, she's, she, her residency has been a while. And, uh, it's funny because like you said, you saw Katy Perry. We were talking a little bit before we started recording. And of course, what's the first thing I ask? I ask about Left Shark. Right. That's the, that's the Which was thing. not, Left Shark was not there. She did mention it. She okay. did talk about Left Shark. Um, <laughs> instead, there was a lot of other things. Okay. I saw, you did drop a little footage on social media, which I found uh very i couldn't put it together i didn't know what it was because you didn't say what it was at least yeah and you kind of can't see her because we were we weren't close but we weren't (laughs) far either like she's in this theater that you would not expect her to be in you would think oh it's going to be like an arena or something or some giant theater no it was kind of probably the size maybe a little smaller than the chicago theater okay so that was cool those are fun. Um, those are fun. That's a fun place to see that. Like Madonna played Chicago theater for like four nights in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you get to see somebody as big as Katy Perry or as big as Madonna in a theater like that, that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, it was it was really cool to see because you you're not going to on a regular show. She's going to go to an arena or, or some bigger thing, I would think. Yeah. Um, But we went to go see Katy Perry and it's a it's cool because she just plays the hits. Sure. So it's not. You're gonna know. You're gonna know all the songs. Did she have? Did she have sparklers and fireworks coming out of her boobs? No, she didn't oh. have that. She did have a toilet with a poop, with a dancing <laughs> right. poop. Right. Right. Um, there were some mushrooms. There was some. So the whole thing is there is a. She has a. She had a theme, uh, and the theme was, the the show is called Play, and. It was this whole storyline of her being a toy. She was like a a doll that um, was like, it was kind of like Toy Story-esque 
where things were alive and like yeah. other characters, other dolls, sure, um, animals and things like that. So it kind of takes her as she's this doll. She's this Katie doll. Yeah. And this little boy is kind of taking her through the house, dumps her outside, and then uh, she essentially gets, like, that Toy Story ending where, like, they're all, like, messed up or whatever, and then, like, they get brought back. Okay. You know? Yeah. So then so in it the had, end, it had like, a nice oh, little... she gets revived, and, like, yeah. So there was a nice storyline. This, line. like, sweet little story, ending. Yeah. storyline to it. Okay. And she played all the hits in between and a lot of costume changes and crazy characters and shit on stage. Yeah. And... So, like, when you would see her, so there'd be a lot of video of of hers, the Katie doll. It was all animated, um, kind of in that Toy Story um, look. Yeah. And then she would then, it would be like, say, the bathroom. The little boy had taken her to the bathroom. And so then the scene would be, it was a toilet. There was a poop (laughs) that sang um, and things like that. She was outside and then there was like mushrooms dancing around and there was this and that. So it was really cool. That's pretty cool. It was a a really cool setup. Was this like a last minute thing? Was I, you you know when you were when you and I talked before you left, you didn't have any plans to see a show. How did the Katy Perry thing come about? Uh, my friend uh, who lives in Vegas that we went to go see, he recommended it because he had seen it before. Mm-hmm. So he recommended to go see it. So we all, you know, like a, you cool. know, just a little group outing. We all went together. That's it cool. was great. We yeah. got to sit in the back. So we weren't in the balcony. We were, like, under the balcony, but we were all the way to the back, which was perfect because then we were able to, like, stand up and dance and, like, be loud because yeah. it was it was just crazy to see people just sitting there yeah, watching it's, yeah, the yeah. show. Yeah, it's in a I'm showroom. Like, it's, it's like a showroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's a Katy Perry show. Like, the songs right. are really upbeat and, like, you dance. No? Okay, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Vegas, man. Old people go to Vegas. Did you? Did, yeah. now, how much gambling did you do? Did you do some gambling? Um, I did a little bit. I learned slightly how to play craps. Okay. Um, but I didn't go to a. I didn't go to a table. They have craps machines that right, are digital. Right. Yeah. Right, yeah. And they look like um, they look like trouble. Do you remember trouble had yeah, that pop up thing yeah. with the dice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you would you pick your bet. <laughs> Which there's like a 20 million bets in craps. Um, but I stuck to the bet that was like, if it lands on two, 12, four, nine, something. Uh, and then so you hit the button to play and you, and it like literally it's, it's two dice in like a, a, a bubble yeah. <laughs> that just jump up. And that was perfect because then I don't have to deal with anybody right like yelling at me or anything because i stood around watching craps games yeah and they i was just like i don't know what is happening people yeah, are no, throwing it, it, yeah chips it, at, at the at the dealers and i yeah. couldn't i was it, like nah. it, yeah you're playing with i mean the, the group people start betting on you with you on how you're going to roll the die you know what i mean it's the, it's it i mean yeah a, it's yeah. the dice the dice gets rolled or whatever but yeah, but you're. I just. But, I was like, there's too much happening for yeah. me to like. No, that I can understand. If if you're at the top of the table and you're throwing the die, you know, you're throwing the dice. Um, you're playing for other people. So like, what you roll, other people's lives depend on it. You know what I mean? Like, if you, <laughs> they're betting on you. <laughs> right. So that's not good, man. I don't want that kind of responsibility. You know what I mean? I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I took it as you know, you roll what you roll. Yeah. It's, you can't really. It's a you're throwing two dice. You yeah. know, yeah. there's no skill in it. <laughs> yeah. 
you throw in what what happens whatever happens happens but i played that and then i played like a digital blackjack um because all the tables just seemed too expensive for my taste we didn't really go into any like super cheap casinos but we just kind of wandered around like looking colin played some poker um because he knows how i have no clue how to play poker so i just i just stuck with the craps machine sure yeah which was the bet that i did was pretty good um and so i think i made i kind i won about like 30 bucks there you go now were you were you able to drink for free no i didn't really get that far in i would play maybe a few things a few hands and then just (laughs) walk away um but yeah the when you don't buy your own drinks, well, you know what? I, I couldn't tell you how much drinks cost at the casinos themselves because I never did buy any because I was like, no, I know that I can get them for free. I just don't want to go to those tables. I'm very yeah. intimidated. Yeah, of course. Um, that makes sense, yeah. But we did go to a few bars, um, and drinks are insanely priced. I bet. The minimums for most drinks, if you're, if you're like in nice joints, about twenty bucks. That's an un- it's unbelievable. Now, yeah. Now, see, because they gotta, they have to like mark that up because the food's so goddamn cheap. Um, uh, at buffets, did you did you do any of the buffets? We did one buffet. Yeah. Um, because there's not that many buffets anymore. It's not that COVID, much of a thing with, anymore. Maybe the co- maybe the COVID thing probably out. probably yeah. yeah um, yeah. but you know, I I like ate my my weight and crab legs. I bet you did, man. I'd go nuts. Because yeah. that's what I was like. That yeah, my friend again had recommended one. He said that this one was like one of the better, the best one. Um, so and they had crab legs and um, rib roasts and all that kind of stuff. Oh man, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I went with the crab legs. I would too. I, I mean, just yeah. loaded up the plate and went yeah. to town. Let go load up the plate and then go back and load up the plate again. The, the, you know, the uh, the buffet thing is that for me, because I'm not a gambler, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I I don't drink anymore. Um, and so, Ve- and, I do, and I hate heat. So Vegas doesn't appeal to me on any level except for the shows. That, you know what I mean? Like the shows are the yeah. only thing that would, that would appeal. Everything else, like it's hot. I hate hot weather more than anything in the world. I don't gamble uh, and and I don't drink anymore. So none of you know everything except for the show yeah. part doesn't appeal to me. You know what I mean? But yeah. like but buffets do. My my problem with buffets though is like as like everybody has and I think obviously because you know before covid buffets were like a fucking wild west show. You know uh, you know you could go in mm-hmm. what was it the the, the beastie boys if I knew it was going to be a party like this and I stuck my dick in the mashed potatoes. That's the that's <laughs> <laughs> that's what I think happens at buffet, or used to happen at buffets. Um, we used to go to a buffet. There was a buffet. On, remember uh, back uh, when the Factory Theater was located on Elston, across mm-hmm. from across from Chief O'Neill's. Mm-hmm. Uh, we I was still a member of the Factory at that time, and we were doing shows there. And there was a Chinese buffet. I think it's still there. Uh, um, ye, well, where is it? So go ahead. Kitty corner from the kitty corner from the uh, White Castle on Addison, Elston, and uh, oh, it's that's gone now. They're oh, building okay. a Chick Fil A there. Oh no, God, not a yeah. fucking Chick Fil A. Oh, yeah. Anyway. The place is going to be mayhem because there's that and there's that Portillo's that's over there as yeah, well. Yeah, Portillo's is closer to the Kennedy. I go to that one. 
Because it literally, Esmeralda, the, the Portillo's is literally one stop away from where I live. Yeah. <laughs> I just jump on the train, jump on the train, go one stop, walk three blocks, and get myself. I go to Portillo's pretty regularly. Um, but that one's a little bit further towards the, you know, that's a little further west. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that buffet, that Chinese buffet, we used to go there all the time. When we were like in Tech Week, it shows. Mm-hmm. And we'd go in there and like... I don't. There were times we'd go in there and go, man, this can't be good because there'd be shit like spoons that were stuck in something that was, you know what I mean? Like stuff. Oh would yeah, be, <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> but we didn't care. Yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> it was like, we were- yeah, that is the one thing that like I had to just kind of give up for the moment was yeah. the fact that like just the waste. Yeah. That is gonna happen because yeah. I mean we went towards the end. And there was just still so much food. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I mean, I bought into it. So I kind of had to accept it. Yeah. But, yeah, it was – we went to a few places that were off strip because um, I don't care for eating on the strip. Aside from the – we went to a Korean barbecue place and then we went to the buffet. But aside from that, we didn't eat on the strip because, well, it's all just like tourist garbage absolutely. for the most part. Yeah, absolutely. Even like the high end stuff, I'm just kind of like, mm, this isn't. <laughs> yeah. Now, <laughs> I feel you... like this is overpriced to hell. Were we went you... to this great place called Cleaver that was like a steakhouse, like kind of old school looking steakhouse, a little yeah. bit like updated. Yeah. Um, great amazing so if you're ever in vegas go there cleaver cleaver okay and it's off the strip um, is it off the strip it is a little bit off the strip um and what's in, what's really annoying and i didn't really think about it is that everything that's off the strip is off the strip yeah like, yeah yeah everything is a good half hour yeah. away no, no it's a 40 fucking minute desert. walk yeah no it's a <laughs> desert you're in a you're in a desert <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No. I, I, it's off the, now, you guys didn't get to the Liberace Museum, did you? No, we didn't. Okay. okay. <laughs> See, and then because everything that's like that isn't on the strip directly, it's it, insane to get to in yeah. terms of an Uber. We from where we were staying, we were we were on the strip technically, but it was like way off. Um, it was like always a $20 ride to get to oh. the strip. Yeah, it was really annoying. Like even even on the strip, we were um, at a hotel to then go to the show. We were, well, we were at a casino um, and then we went to the, the show for Katy Perry and that was like a 15-minute a ride and that was like 10 bucks. And wow. it's on the strip, which is crazy to think. Like, you'd think, like, oh, you could just walk it. And then we'd look and be like, oh, it's half an hour. <laughs> yeah. Everything is bananas to walk to. Like, it's – but it doesn't pay to have a car either. <laughs> it's such so, a it, weird so, – so, rent, so renting a car is not an option? Like It is, but then you have to pay for parking. Oh, <laughs> You're on okay. The strip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless yeah. you have some kind of deal, unless you are a member of these yeah. casinos and stuff, like this, you have to this, pay parking. This is, this is why Albert Brooks and uh, Julie Haggerty had the right idea. Get a fucking Winnebago when you go to. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because then you could li- yeah, live in there and then, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's good to bring the Winnebago with you. Well, it's, gl- yeah, it's a cool place, but yeah, I would be interested in going to Vegas again, but going to. Not the strip, like right. have do renting a car, but yeah. like driving around and seeing the actual city, and maybe like going off to maybe Arizona or um, 
like somewhere not yeah. <laughs> not the strip. That's funny. You said <laughs> maybe Arizona. Arizona maybe uh, is what Jeff Bridges uh, calls uh, Arizona in Starman. Arizona maybe is what he calls yeah. Starman. But uh, no, yeah. I mean, you know, if you rent a car, then you can go to the like the Liberace Museum and some of the other uh, some of the other weird attractions. And like I said, Hoover Dam. Uh, you want to go first, or should I? That's the. That's the. <laughs> I would recreate that scene from Lost in America. So, well, that's cool. Now, okay, I have to ask you, how hot was it? Was it ridiculous? It was. It was, but it wasn't. I didn't feel it. Dry didn't heat. Feel man. as it's, bad as you that. would. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like it was all in nineties, mid nineties. Yeah. I can't. Didn't do it. I wasn't. It wasn't as hot as I was thinking. Yeah, because it's that desert. Which Everybody says that it's a dry heat instead of the humidity that we get here in the Midwest. But yeah, but still, I don't give it. I can't. I can't do it. If it goes above seventy-five, I get miserable. <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. Well, anyway, I'm glad you had a good time, Katy Perry. Uh, that sounds like fun. I always get her confused. We've talked about this before. I get her confused with the other with the the other chick who doesn't even look like her. Because um, they're both married to uh, British jagoffs that I hate. Um, she was married. Which one was she? Russell Brand, right? She was, yeah. She was married to Russell okay. Brand for a minute. I, I get her confused with the with the one who's married to Borat uh, because of the two. Ilsa Ilsa Fisher. Yes. She's the one married to, to uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. Yes. Okay. Now they don't look alike, but I get them confused. Not sim- at all. Sim- no, they don't <laughs> at all. But I get them confused only because I hate both of the British jagoffs that they were married to or are married to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I can't, I can't stand Russell Brand. I can't stand Sasha Baron Cohen. So the, so I just by association, I like get them confused. I'm like, which idiot is she married to? I get them confused. So. See, and it's funny because Ilsa Fisher looks like Amy Adams. She like does. You would think yeah, right. that would be more the confusion, right? Right. Than Katy it's bo- Perry. It's both for me because that's how stupid I am. But but like I associate them with the idiot, unfunny British guys that everybody loves. Right. Because everybody everybody loves Russell Brand and everybody loves Sasha Baron Cohen. I can't stand them. Uh, I shouldn't say I hate uh, Sasha Baron Cohen um, because I I like him in stuff that he doesn't write. You know what I mean? Like this, like when he's mm-hmm. acting, when he's acting in somebody else's stuff, I like it. Like I liked him in the Chicago Seven thing. I liked him in Hugo. I liked him in uh, the car racing movie uh, with uh, Will Ferrell. The Ferrari. The, uh, oh. No, no, no. no um, the, uh, Talladega. Talladega Nights. Yes, yes. I liked him in that. I can't stand Borat. I can't stand Bruno. I can't stand uh, uh, Ali G. Well, now she's she's actually she is. Uh, they're not married yet, um, but she is. Uh, Supposed to marry Orlando Bloom. Oh right, I forgot about. Okay, well that's cooler. Uh, that's cool. So that is that better? <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's cool. He's an elf. He's cool. All right, I like him. All right, okay, well that's better. That's better. Okay, right. I'll let All her right. know. I, I approve. Let her know next time when she gets off when she gets off the toilet singing with the piece of poo. Let her know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll do. <laughs> All right. Well, while you were off in Vegas, uh, we got a magic megaphone request. Mm-hmm. We've got a voicemail here to catch up on, and our uh, our old friend Jim Leskowski. You know Jim. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He is a member of the Chicago Film Critics Association. Uh, he's a musician and all kinds of uh, crazy stuff. I've known him for years. Uh, well, he was listening to the last episode where we had the magic megaphone, where um, one of our subscribers slash listeners requested that I do my infamous Michael McDonald impression. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 that, yes. that whole that whole thing. Well, Jim was listening, and he sometimes in the past, uh, when I was at at that uh, 
ridiculous ass radio station that we used to work at. Mm-hmm. Um, he would listen and then put like songs together uh, based on mm-hmm. what we did. So he's done that, Esmeralda. Okay. Uh, so here is Jim Lewskowski put together like his own mix of me kind of doing Michael McDonald based on what was recorded through the Magic Mike. It's a complicated thing, Esmeralda. But <laughs> okay. But here it is. This is Jim Lewskowski's Lewskowski uh, doing Sweet Freedom. He put it all together for you. <laughs> So there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's Jim. Jim put that together. I was wild. I was like, wait a minute. I thought you were going to play the version of you. Yeah. Not the was... real Michael McDonald. Uh, that was that was Jim putting that together. <laughs> uh, and uh, that's me through the megaphone and and imitating. So I you, would never have guessed. <laughs> that wasn't the real Michael McDonald. No, that was me. God damn it. I could what? get a show. I could get a. I could get a tribute. Mike. I could get a tribute show. Uh, a Michael McDonald tribute show on the Strip, in Vegas. I Me think. And, I think yeah. you should bring. Um, you need to go see the Doobie Brothers are playing. <laughs> yeah, man. The June twenty fourth. Okay. And right. it's uh, Michael McDonald's up in there. He is. Is uh, now June twenty. Where? In Vegas? Uh, in Peoria. Oh, in Peoria. He'll be in Peoria. <laughs> yeah, it's closer, closer to home. Peoria. Peoria. All right. Yeah, yeah. 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 It looks, it looks like he's not making it to Vegas. No. Oh wait, I'm sorry. Sparks, Nevada. Wherever that is. Oh, Sparks, Nevada. All right. Now, are we going to be on tour though? Michael Bolton. Is that going to interfere? Right. With, with, uh, is that going to interfere? I don't know, man. Uh, you know. Yeah, let me let me check where we okay. are on the tour because. Right. Uh oh. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Hi, Carrie. Hi, How I'm are Carrie you? Russell, I know. And I love Nick's show. All right. All right. So well, we uh, won't we won't be that day. No. Okay. Well, then we can go see we can we can go see uh, the Doobies. Yeah. So hey, we will. Um, <laughs> a few days later, we will have to be in Portugal, but you know. It'll be okay. Fun. We'll get there. We can we can travel. I'm sure up. Michael Boltan can get get us a yeah. <laughs> of course he can. We we know him personally. Right. Michael Bolton. That's right. Uh you know, um uh Michael McDonald. You remember the uh the episode of What's Happening where they uh bootlegged the Doobie Brothers concert? I where, where, vaguely where? I vaguely have seen that, but I didn't know like who it was or who he it was, was bootlegging. Rerun. Uh, had a tape recorder and he bootlegged the Doobie Brothers concert. Did but he have like a giant thing, didn't he? It fell out. I, if I remember correctly, he had it like in his vest, you know, because he always wore a vest and a, you know, because he's dancing around doing the right. Job. And like it fell out or something, and the Doobies went, "Hey man, don't be uh, taping us," you know, because or because because you know Michael McDonald talks like that all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how he really talks. Hey man, rerun. Yeah, yeah. Don't uh, tape us. Yeah. He, he, that's how he talks. 
Of course, yeah. So that's <laughs> but that episode, I always thought it was really like, wait a minute, the, the guys on What's Happening are going to bootleg a Doobie Brothers concert? What? Yeah. <laughs> also, I'm like, how much How much is, is a Doobie Brothers tape? Right. Well, this was, album. The, this was the 70s. I will say this. They were much more popular in the 70s then. Okay. Uh, they, I will say that. There, that was, they were popular. They were very, very popular at that time. But not in the, you know, not amongst the crowd that hung out at the, what was the name of the malt shop they hung out at the, at, I wonder, I can't remember. Does anybody remember no, the name I of the, the malt? This is when I wish we were on live radio because someone could call in right now and go, uh, yeah. But they had a malt, they hung out at whatever, maybe you can Google it. There was a. They, Shirley worked there. She was like a waitress there, and they all hung out there. And I don't remember the name of it, but that was like, you know, every every sitcom has a meeting. You got the coffee shop uh, on Friends. What was the name of the coffee shop on Friends? Uh, uh, oh, um, Dipshit Village. Central Perk. Central Perk. There you go. Okay, and they and you know you had monks on Seinfeld. Monks Diner, which was actually Tom's Diner in real life. The outside shot was Tom's Diner, which was the song that Suzanne Vega wrote. That's the that's the actual place she wrote it about. Mm-hmm. Is uh, you know the the exterior of Seinfeld that where it says restaurant. That's Tom's restaurant. Rob's place, by the way. Was Rob's place was uh, what's happening? Or no, wait. I don't remember. Maybe it was Shirley. Maybe it was Shirley's place. Maybe Shirley owned it. I don't remember. Shirley own it. <laughs> I don't remember. Shirley was a wait. I know. I remember Shirley was a waitress there, and I hung, they hung out there all the time. Rerun and Dwayne, 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 and uh, Raj. And Raj's smart-ass sister. They all hung out there. But I don't remember the name of it. But yeah, Monk's, which is actually in real life Tom's Diner, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, the first time I went to New York to see Suzanne Vega, that's the first place I went to. And this was, mm-hmm. bef- this, mm-hmm. was bef- this was well before Seinfeld. This was years before yeah. Seinfeld. And I went there, and so I've been to Tom's Diner. And it's very it's, nice. I went in, I was like, oh, I'm so excited. And then I was like, oh, it's just a diner. So okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought maybe what were you expecting? I don't know. I thought maybe they'd have like a plaque, you know, like a, a statue of Suzanne in there. You know what I mean? And like, oh, and I walk in, it's just a diner. It's like now, you know what? You know what else, Esmeralda? You know, you know, in uh, uh, the 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 mall in Dawn of the Dead, the original Dawn of the Dead. Mm-hmm. The mall is in Monroeville, uh, Pennsylvania, which is right outside of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went there years ago. And when I went to the mall, I was like, oh, my God, this is the mall. Dawn of the Dead. I mean, that's sacred ground. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's like, that's <laughs> sure. like, ho- that's hallowed ground for me. That's like going into a church. So I go into this mall, the Monroeville Mall, and I go in there. And this was years and years and years ago. And I walked around and like everybody there, there was no like plaques. There was no like acknowledgement. Everybody there denied it. They were like, no, don't even talk to us about Dawn of the Dead. They were embarrassed by it. <laughs> Now, yeah. and I'm not kidding, now if you go to them, and I haven't been since, now if you go to the Monroeville Mall, they've got an entire museum, George Romero Museum set up, and they mm-hmm. have plaques all over the place where things were shot. So now oh, they wow. embrace it. Now they love it. They embrace yeah. it now. You can get T-shirts. Uh, my old friend Colin uh, Suter, uh, one of the nights we were at the Chicago Critics Film Festival at the Music Box, he, he came in with a Monroeville uh, Mall shirt on. I'm like, oh, that's a great... Sure. And he's like, yeah, I got it at the mall when we went. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And then he's telling me all about how there's a George Romero museum. And, all, and I'm like, God damn it. When I went, there was nothing. When I went, there was like a KB, you know, toy store where people were going, no, zombies, no, don't say zombie. You know what I mean? They were embarrassed by it. So, oh, goodness. By the way, it is Rob's place. It is Rob's what's place. What's happening. Okay. 
All right, so that's where they that would that's where they would convene before they would go and bootleg uh, Doobie Brothers concerts. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh man! All right, so we have a voicemail. Uh, are you ready to hear this one? Yeah. This is in response to something that we were talking about. This is Tim. He he's in New Lenox. Okay. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. All right. Here we go. Hey, Nick, this is Tim from New Lenox. I just heard on WJOL, the voice of Joliet, Esma's hometown, that Craig Ferguson will be coming to the Rialto Square Theater on August the 29th. And also, the uh, State Department has raised the travel advisory to Jamaica and Columbia to level three, which is one level below of do not travel. So when you guys go to see Michael Bolton in Jamaica, please be careful. Love the podcast. Always listening. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Tim. Well, you know, if we go see Michael Boltan there, we're going to get the VIP treatment. We will. We will not have to worry about that. But I love that Tim was warning us about that. And by the way, Rialto Square, Esmeralda, Rialto Square, Craggy Fur. Yeah, How about that, that's huh? Nice. Yeah. That's very, very cool. So, uh, well, thank you, Tim. Uh, August 29th, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm planning on going to, out to the Rialto Square, Esmeralda. So, uh, there you go. You uh, can, uh, you stop can take a Stop by and say hi to your folks. Can I stop by and say hi to sure. your folks? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they'd be thrilled. Like, who, who are you? They'd be the like, hell? what? What? Get the <laughs> hell off of our front porch, Jagoff. Get out of here. All right. Uh, so anyway, so thank you, Tim, from uh, New Lenox. And thank you for letting us know about, uh, about Jamaica. Michael Bolton. Because we don't want to, you know, we don't want to ruin our trip by getting arrested. You know what I mean? Or you know, exactly. But you know, <laughs> we'll be under the we'll be under the wing of Michael Bolton. So, <laughs> exactly. All right, uh, Magic Megaphone, Esmeralda. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you know, uh, this is when I say something into the megaphone or play something. This is a special, specific message for anybody out there who wants to do it. Well, our old friend uh, Matt, uh, who, by the way, has been listening to my show since he was like a kid. Oh, wow. Um, uh, and not, now he, I also know him through Chicago Film Critics Association and stuff like that. I've known him for a mm-hmm. very long time. And he was a kid that used to listen to my show many, many years ago. And, uh, and, and since then, now he's here. He's married. He's got a kid. He's running around. He's doing all kinds of shit like an adult. Um, and he made a magic megaphone request. Now, this is going to be very, very difficult, Esmeralda, to, to understand when you hear it. Because, okay. you know. We have audio difficulties with this thing every once in a while. I'm gonna have to exp- I, I'm gonna have to explain this one. I think. Mm-hmm. So okay. you're gonna just strain to hear it. It's gonna be tough. But if you can pick, by the way, if you can pick up what this is, uh, I mean that's gonna be pretty amazing if you do. So listen closely, okay? Mm-hmm. Here we go. <laughs> So. Any idea? Was it? Something about a face. So one more. Predator face. Any idea? That predator face. <laughs> That's what I hear. All right. Here's what it really is, and then I'll explain what it is. This is the actual. This is the clip not going through the megaphone. Okay, that was played mm-hmm. through the megaphone because it's magic and everybody wants to hear their shit through the megaphone. But here's what it really is, and, and you still might not be able to identify it, but this is what it really is. Get that out of my face! So, oh, <laughs> yes. You know what that is? Yes, it's from Nacho Libre. Get right. Get that corn out of my face! Get that corn out of my face. Get that corn out of my face! <laughs> Get that corn out of my face! So, so Matt wanted to hear... 
Jack Black's famous line, get that corn out of my face, through the yeah. megaphone. So, that's... so rude. So rude. <laughs> Nacho. So that's what that's what. Yeah, now it now I hear. Now yeah, you got it. Yeah, now it makes sense. Um, by the way, I love that movie. <laughs> I think that movie is hilarious. I went with. Do you, you've seen it, obviously. I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a minute, but I've seen I, it. Yeah. I, I saw it with I saw it with my ex-wife uh, Heather, and like she was not amused, and I was laughing my ass off the <laughs> entire movie. <laughs> you know who wrote that movie, Esmeralda? Who's that? Mike White wrote that. Mike White wrote that movie. Oh, really? Yeah, Mr. White and Lotus. He wrote that movie. Uh, I mean, how can you not love it? It's got Jack Black being an idiot. It's got get that corn mm-hmm. out of my face, and it's got luchadors. Yes. How do you how do you not love? <laughs> man, Jack Jack Black as a luchador. Come on, man. I mean, shit. Yeah. It anyway, was a great. It was good. It was a good I, movie. It's a hilarious. I think it's hilarious. So anyway, thank you, Matt, uh, for requ- for requesting. I love my favorite moment of that is when they actually cut to the shot of the corn. That's like they cut cut away to the shot of the corn that's laying on the. (laughs) So, so rude. Completely rude, especially because the fucking Mexican corn is so delicious. I would be if if someone brought me an ear of Mexican corn, I would thank them profusely. I would not slap. Yeah, he was trying to be nice. Yes, he just slaps it out, and both of them. So now nobody yeah, can have any corn. Nobody can have corn. That's uh, right. No. <laughs> and you can't even pick it up and wash it off because then no. you just have corn. Then you have regular corn. All the good stuff has got, like, hay and shit stuck to it at mm-hmm. that point. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want that. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those movies that, uh, it, it, you know, it's not on cable enough. That's a movie that doesn't get um, shown on cable very often. Yeah, I haven't seen it on the... Yeah, on the, the chant on the app or whatever that I watch, where they have "quote unquote" yeah. live television. Yeah. Um. So I don't know what the, you know, what the rights are to it. I don't either, but it's not. It's not on cable. It's you very rarely see it on cable. You know what I mean? And uh, and and every once in a while, I mean, you know, like there are so many movies that just get shown over and over and over again on you know on your HBOs and on your other little you know, basic cable and all the other channels, you mm-hmm. don't see Nacho Libre. It doesn't get shown enough. Do they show it on yeah. Comedy Central anymore? I don't even think Comedy Central shows movies anymore. Oh, I every, couldn't tell you. Every time I turn <laughs> on Comedy Central, now it's all, and, it, and this is fine, now it's all like, uh, it's all binges now. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's it, you know, like, like they'll show like 27 episodes of Parks and Rec. Not that I'm complaining, because I love mm. Parks and Rec. There's a lot, and right. South, Park, South Park is on 18 hours a day. Goodness. On, on, uh, you know, like it seems like every day on um, Comedy Central, that show Seinfeld. But it's like, you remember back back in the day, I don't know, maybe you don't remember this, where like USA was nothing but Law and Order? Remember what I said? Oh, yeah. Literally 24 hours. It was Law and Order, but then it was then their shows. So it was like right. suits. <laughs> right. And burn notice. <laughs> yeah. That, of course, reminds me, of, you remember the SNL sketch, What is Burn Notice? Remember the, they, had, <laughs> they had the game show, Bill Hader was the host of the game show, What is Burn Notice? <laughs> I mean, kudos to whoever won, because. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. But yeah, and then, and then they also, USA used to also show, there was a time, I believe this was like before. This was before they started doing their own shows, like your burn notices and your. What was it? Wasn't it? Was it a USA show with uh, Breck and Meyer and uh, 
Mark Paul Gossely. Oh Gossely. no, I think that one that one was on TNT, I believe. Was that TNT? What was that called? Sm- um, ass, asshole and dipshit. What was the? Uh, it was two guys' names. Rizzoli and Isles. No, no, Rizzoli and Isles was two women, right? That was yeah. Uh, no, that's the the two cop ladies. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, let's see. What was it called? Banger and Mash? No, not Banger. No, that's something you eat in. in no, Britain. that would have been British. They would have been British <laughs> if that was the. They were British cops. Banger and Mash are on the. Uh, Franklin, Franklin and Bash. Franklin and Bash. That was close. There's a Bash. It sounds yeah. like that, right? They had four seasons. Oh no, that show was popular. That show was popular. Franklin and Bash. <laughs> yeah, that was on TNT. Okay, all right. Uh, Franklin and Bath. And then who was on uh, uh, the other one? The one that I just said, Rizzoli and Isles. Was that... Um, that was that, was, um, uh, was that, that one lady. Angie Harmon. Was, who was on... On Law and Order. Law and Order. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it all comes back. It all it goes all full circle. 24 hours of Law and Order. But no, no. How about this, Esmeralda? You remember when USA used to show nothing? And this, like I said, before they started doing their own programming? was nothing but fucking wings. Remember when they would just show wings all the time? Do you remember? Um, yes. That might be why I know, like, why I've watched wings, probably. Because it was on all... Because the, it was like, on 20, USA Network. 24 hours a day. And I couldn't tell the difference between the two leads because they were the most generic white guys in the world, one of whom I really like. Actually, I like both of them because one of them was... Well, they were brothers, I yeah in the show so and then was Tim, I guess Tim, they, it worked Tim <laughs> Tim Weber no Stephen Weber and Tim yes. Daly and Tim Daly yes and Tim Daly was in Diner so I like I like him and Stephen Weber was in Tony some stuff I, Tony Shaloub Shaloub was in it and uh, uh, yeah. uh, Thomas Hayden Church from Sideways mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. was in it but that show was on all the time I mean it was like you turn on USA and it was on all the time. Oh man! They also and, had I I would watch <laughs> as a child, which probably wasn't recommended. Uh, Duckman. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I like Duckman. I remember yeah. liking that show, Duckman. Oh man! It was um, what's his face from uh, the voice, the voice of Duckman uh, from Seinfeld. Um, um, what's his name? The bald one. The uh, Costanza. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you, there's nothing like that. You know what? Reminiscing about 90s basic cable right now, that's pretty, that's what that is. You know what I mean? Law and Order, 24 Hours, Wings, Duck Man. Yeah. Oh, and Silk Stockings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was the, that was the edgy, oh, sexy show. That was God. the edgy, sexy, Silk st- Remember HBO used to have Hitchhiker? This is this was the 80s. no. I did, we didn't have we didn't have that was the eighties. That, that I'm going we back just had now. Basic. That, was, that was the eighties. But the Hitchhiker, you'd watch it because of boobs. You'd go, oh boobs. Oh well, yeah. Oh, yeah. HBO. And then uh, what was the one that the uh, that they they used to have? Uh, Real Sex was a, a, a documentary show. Yes, yeah, I remember um, that. And that was like they would show like close to hardcore stuff on that. That was like in you know what I mean. And they would cloak it. They would they would cloak it in science. Like well, this show is actually about scientific right. study. No, it's not. It's about boobs and penises that's what or it was news it was like news yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> we're gonna fake it like this is actual educational programming when in fact all it is is tits and ass you know what i mean you know and then there was a hitchhiker and then there was uh oh what was the one red shoe diaries remember red shoe diaries oh yeah that was on show was it that uh, was no, showtime no. 
Yeah. Was it was Showtime show- or yeah. Skinamax? <laughs> no, no, no. That I think that was Showtime. I think Red Shoe Diaries. And you know who the who the dude was on, on Red Shoe Diaries? Uh, your regular, like the, the, the guy who would introduce mm-hmm. all the stories, was uh, Duchovny. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was, it was pre-X-Files. Duchovny was on mm. uh, Red Shoe Diaries. Uh, and it was, God, Red Shoe Diaries. It was Hitchhiker. Oh, God. Basic or cable from those days. Uh, remember Freddy had his own show, Freddy's Nightmares? Yes, and that was on, um, that was on regular TV. Was it? I think it was. Yeah, I think you're right. It was on like regular. I remember there was an odd time on and I think it was mainly on Channel 50 uh, where they did all the the scary shows and they wish they would show right. Tales from the dark side. Right. Tales from the dark. Saturday afternoons. Yeah, that's what I remember. Friday the 13th. Tales from the the dark side. Yep. Um, Tales from the dark side. And then sometimes you would get that Freddy one. The Freddy one, yeah. Friday the 13th, Freddy, Tales from the Dark Side. Oh, yeah, those are all classic. Remember the Tales from the Dark Side movie? They actually made a movie. Is Tales was- from the Dark Side the one with the scary intro? I don't I don't know. Where the intro was, like, um, reversed? Like uh, a like a picture? Like a, um, yeah, like I think a, you're, I a think- piece of film? Yeah, I think it, yes, it was. And because there was that, and there was also, of course, Tales from the Crypt on HBO. <laughs> the Crypt Keeper Jack. I never, I never watched Tales from the Dark Side because that intro scared the hell out of me. Oh, really? <laughs> and then were you afraid that Robert Stack was going to show up uh, after? Yeah. <laughs> there was something about, there was something about showing, and it's literally just like a tree and a fence. That's it. That's what it is. Yeah, you're outside right. or whatever. That's it. But then they yep. would flip it. They would do the, the, like it the, was a negative. Yeah. yeah, like it was a negative, and that was yeah. just that. I was like, nope, I'm out. That was it. You're done. You were done. You were done. Yeah, so I, I'm assuming then you never did see the theatrical movie, Tales from the Dark Side movie. No, it's I did not. It was terrible. But yeah, the Tales, from the, Tales from the Crypt, though. <laughs> With that jag off. I, know, yeah. I you know, The Crypt Keeper always bugged me. Like, he was always, like, doing puns and shit. You know, like, uh, you know what I mean? Well, you know, he's got to keep himself entertained. <laughs> yeah. The Crypt Keeper. Oh, God. Man, oh man, back in the back. And in he was always days. like doing things. Yeah, because he, he was always, in his house. <laughs> he was in his house or in a crypt or something. He was always in in character. Like they show at the at that uh, Zemeckis Film Festival that they had at the Music Box. Mm-hmm. They showed they showed the two uh, Tales from the Crypts that Zemeckis directed. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the intros, uh, the 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 Crypt Keeper. This was, you know, he he did this after one of them was after Forrest Gump that he directed. Mm-hmm. And, and and one of the intros for the second Zemeckis short that he directed for Tales from the Crypt, the, the Crypt Keeper is dressed up like Forrest Gump, and he's sitting on a park bench. <laughs> and instead of That's chocolates, he, he's like, would you like one of these? And he opens up the box of chocolates, and it's like chopped off fingers and shit. You know what I mean? Like, right. Ah, well, yeah, you know. You know, because he's the Crypt Keeper. But yeah, he's dressed up like Forrest Gump. <laughs> He really, he was really going in. He's like, you know, because I know I got to be timely. I got to be yeah, up and, to date. And the director of Forrest Gump directed this episode. So I got to dress right. up. Like, so he's like, eh, get it? Get it? It's get like, it? okay, Crypt Keeper. And thank you. Of, life is like a box of fingers. <laughs> shut the fuck up. I would always yeah. like, be, I would always like, shut up. You know, like the, it, there were great episodes of that show. Like some of those episodes. Yeah, actually, yeah. It, was a, it was a pretty solid show. And I enjoyed the movies. I like Demon Knight. With Billy, with with uh, mm-hmm, your, you mm-hmm. should listen. You should listen to your friend Billy Zane, that one, and then the one with Dennis Miller with the whorehouse, uh, <clears throat> um, Demon Knight, right? 
No. Yeah. Demon. Wait, is it Demon? Jana, Jada Pinkett's? Yes. Jada Pinkett's. Yes. Smith and Dennis one? Miller. And one of them, I don't. I can't, t- one of them is Tales from the Crypt. And wait, Demon Knight. And was there another one? Because wait, maybe they're both the same. Maybe Billy, your friend Billy Zane. You might is in- be. You might be thinking of of the same. The same movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Let's okay. See. What were they called? Tales from the Crypt. Demon Knight was one of them. I know, I know. One of them was called Demon Knight, and then I think there was the other one was Dennis Miller was in it, and it was about a, it was about like a, a brothel, demon or uh, whore, whore, let's kill whores. I don't, I can't remember. What it was. I'm sure it was called Let's, let's see, Kill Demon whore. Knight. Demon oh. Knight was with um, Billy Zane. Okay, with your friend Billy Zane. Thomas right. Hayden Church was in it. <laughs> Look at this coming back. All right. Well, then, what's the one with you? Do a Google "Tales from the Crypt." Uh, um, Dennis Miller. Uh, Google "Tales from the Crypt." Dennis Miller. By the way, um, this <laughs> I don't understand why he's wearing this uh, in the poster or whatever for Demon Knight. The Crypt yeah. Keeper is wearing <laughs> like a Samuel L. Jackson esque hat. Like you know how I used to wear oh, those co- hats? the Congo hat. Yeah. the the Kango hat. It yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. looks like yeah. that, or like an <laughs> old director's hat. Yeah, yeah, because he was. Di- I got it. Yeah, I mean, it, is it a beret? Yeah, but it it's looks a, a little like longer, maybe yeah. because you know, okay, he's doesn't really have any head to like. Right, he's got a skull. On. It keeps it keeps falling off his skull. That's why he's a. But, but so what yeah, was, and then he's he wearing fall- like little round glasses. So maybe he's a director. <laughs> That's. I think he's a director. I think he's du- like. He's I guess like, so. I'm directing. He's holding a book. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, he's shit. showing a book. All I right. couldn't tell you what. I mean, tales from the crime. I'm assuming tales because he's because he's, he's holding. It's tales from the yeah. Because he would no. They would yes. have the book. The book was part of the opener all the time. Because right. Would so I think that was yeah. the. That's why. No, um, no. Have you, have you found Dennis? Blood. That's it. Bordello. Of, I knew it was a whorehouse of some kind. Bordello of blood. Yes. And that's Dennis Miller. And uh, what's her face? Who was? She was, the the you know, redhead, the red, the tall Angie redhead. Everhart. Yeah. Oh yeah, my Angie god, Everhart. did I? Oh my god, is she hot? Oh my. Oh god, wow, Angie. Corey Feldman was in it. Yeah, that's a classic. That's a classic. So, all right. Well, uh, we didn't get to TV and movie characters. <laughs> no. Because we were too busy reliving early '90s USA Network. That's yeah, <laughs> USA Network. I miss the. I do too, man. I miss the USA Network when it wasn't just suits. <laughs> yeah, no suits, no th- nothing. Suits right. and what's the other show? Uh, 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 burn Notice. Um, no, there's another one that's very similar to Suits. Uh, suits and uh, uh, shit. I don't. I don't remember. Uh, you know, hey, you remember Holly Hunter had a show on TNT too, uh, uh, which was awesome, where she played a cop. I'm blank. No. It, was, it was fantastic. And so, you know, Ray Romano had Men of a Certain Age. That was a fucking mm-hmm. great show. That was on TNT. That was great. But the show, oh my God, I can't believe I'm blanking on the name. Holly, Google Holly Hunter TNT. And that show, she played a cop. It was great. Oh. It was um, great. And I can't believe I can't remember the name of it. There's too much shit in my head. Raising uh, Hope. Raising Saving, hope. No. saving, saving Grace. Saving Grace. Yeah. Oh, that was so good. That was so good. Man, where is that show? Why is that show not in reruns? Uh, well, it's on Hulu. Oh, well, if you've not seen it, you should watch it. It's El- Holly Hunter is phenomenal on that show. 
That mm-hmm. was a great show, Saving Grace. And men of a certain age. Those were TNT did some good goddamn shows. Oh, white shows. collar, by the way. Oh, white, white collar. collar. <laughs> there it is, white collar. That's is. what I was thinking. <laughs> All right. Suits, white collar. Same thing. Uh-oh. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Hi, Carrie. Get, 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 get out of the way. It's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go. With your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What'd I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Oh, yes! Here we go! Yeah. All right. You know, my dad uh, shows up every Tuesday to tell a joke on the podcast. Esmeralda, are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. Hey, Dad. Two older ladies were discussing their dead husbands. Tell me, says one, did you have mutual orgasm? No, said the other. I think we had prudential. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. I don't know. Do you remember the last joke, Esmeralda? Do you remember the last joke my dad told? Um, because <laughs> I, I can tell you. No, was. but was it blue? It was very similar to the one he just told. So he just told a oh. joke about just told a joke about two old people having sex, right? Mm-hmm. You have mm-hmm. mutual orgasms. No, we have prudential. That's a great joke, by the way. That's fantastic. But the last one he said was, "What do you see when you two when two old people are having sex?" Depends. Remember that was the other. Oh one. right. I don't know. He's on a roll here. I don't know what's going on, Dad. Oh, he's doing, not only is he doing blue, but he's doing senior citizen blue. I don't know. I don't I, know. I'm enjoying the themes. There's a bit of a theme. Wow. All right. Well, thank you, Dad. All right. There you go. My dad will tell a joke again next Tuesday. All right. And we will at some point get to TV and movie characters that uh, don't act like us. And uh, Great uh, great stories about, uh, about Vegas, Esmeralda. I'm glad you had a good time. Oh, thank you. And welcome back. All right. Hey, thank you guys for listening. You want to be a sponsor? Sales at RadioMisfits.com. Advertise with us. Check us out. Esmeralda, as you know, now we're 24-7. RadioMisfits.live. Streaming 24-7. You can hear this podcast every day at 3 p.m. And my SNL podcast every day at 9 a.m. Jason Skaggs does all the music. Ed does all the cool stuff. Rate and review us on every platform. Voicemail us, 773-417-6948. And uh, email us, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Next time... Eric Childress and Steve Procopi after a week, a couple of weeks away. They're back, and we got a whole bunch of new movies to review, and that'll be coming up. So until then, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Nick D Podcast. The wind is red on